0: Hi, this is Andrew Bass, and this is the Performance Podcast. Last week, the president of an internet strategy company and I were talking about how to maximize results with minimal energy. I think this is a mindset as much as a set of techniques. So here are nine mindsets to maximize results with minimal energy. Number one sounds obvious, but you need to get the organisation to focus on external results rather than internal procedures. There's an old joke in medicine. The operation was a success, but the patient died. Actually, it's not a very funny joke, but the point is a good one. A checklist completed correctly is not a result. A milestone is not a result. A report is not a result. A system implementation is not necessarily a result unless you're in the business of implementing systems for paying customers, that is. All of these things are inputs. The external results are things like a customer problem resolved, assets allocated to their most productive uses, or faster fulfillment of online orders. Many forces within the business pull people away from the focus on external results. And by the way, a lot of them are driven by fear. Fear of stepping away from the checklist of losing ground to internal rivals, or fear of actually doing something which might have an effect. sounds counterintuitive, but people often delay by endless preparatory steps so they don't find out one way or the other whether they are effective or not. Number two, be very specific. When I ask new clients to define the objectives they want us to work on together, I'm really often struck by how hard they find it, quite often to be specific. They often say vague but good sounding things like I want to increase engagement or ownership or motivation. When I ask them to actually specify the measures we'll use to judge progress, they seem to find it even harder. Now, of course, my regular clients are brilliant at this, but that's another story. Number three, good enough is good enough. This is Absolutely true, by definition, yet to a certain type of sufferer of dysfunctional perfectionism, something just being good enough seems like taking shortcuts. Technical experts and people with professional training really struggle with this one sometimes. Because they can imagine a total perfection, they find it hard to let anything less out of the door. But then they get caught in a paradox because perfect is rarely good enough, actually because it's usually too slow and the customer doesn't appreciate the differences anyway. So all you end up doing is eating into your margin. Number four, separate musts from wants. This is a really good way to escape from dysfunctional perfectionism. One of my favourite examples is a guy called John Boyd, who was an aircraft designer, worked on the engine of the F-16. And all these technicians were proposing a design that was very complicated because they were thinking about all the previous engines they'd ever built and they had to have all the features that the previous engines had ever had. And he said, stop, can we just agree that what must happen is cold air must come in the front and very hot air must go out the back. And everything else, all of the bets are off. Starting with that clarity, they built a much better, faster, lighter and more powerful engine. Think about it as a consumer as well. I mean, how many products do you buy with features that you never use? Number five, work backwards to find the shortest path. If you work forwards, you tend to continue all the things that you're doing at the moment. You tend to come up against all the reasons and blocks that have been slowing you down. But if you jump to the future and get a clear enough picture of it and kind of reverse your way into the present, you'll find a shorter path and you'll often find that many of the things that look like limits actually weren't. It's like rather than pushing a door that won't be pushed, that if you were on the other side, you could reverse your way in and the door would open fine. And if you'd like to know more about the process for doing that, then have a look for the Back From the Future article on my website. Number six, look for where you've already achieved whatever it is you're trying to do. That's right. It's amazing how often someone in your organization has already done this. Put the call out. One software company was looking to achieve breakthrough relationships that would really distinguish them from their competitors and build increased customer loyalty and better referrals. They asked around in the organization to find out who had the really the best customer relationships. And then they went around to those customers to find out what was so good. One thing they found was it turned out that the salespeople on the account had given the clients the direct dial of a friendly technical person in case there were ever problems. The customer loved not having to go through the call center and who wouldn't? The company quickly extended the same offer to all their key customers and got a nice bump in retention and referrals. Number seven, ask the ROI question all the time. You know, good consulting relationships are a two-way street and I learned this one from one of my best clients. She said that in a previous organization, they really transformed things by asking their people Whenever they requested any kind of expenditure, what's the ROI on this? Even if they were talking about buying paper clips or a a routine, short, local piece of travel. At first, when people were asked a question, they found it very weird, but they quickly got used to it and they started to think a lot more about every expenditure and about the true value of the things they were trying to do. made a big difference. Very easy to do. 8. Stop equating effort in to results out. There's this psychological bias that makes people think that two hours of someone's effort is worth twice one hour's effort. It's the entire basis of hourly or daily fees, and it's entirely an input oriented idea. Except for people doing robotic work, an hour of their time is not a fungible commodity like West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil or Class A Robusta Coffee. In most cases, when you're working with people, there's no way that there's a linear relationship between their time and results. So stop thinking that there is. Finally, number nine, don't drive with your foot on the brake. When I first had learned to drive, I went to see a friend, got back in the car to drive home. It was my mum's car and I tried to drive down the road, but the car was hopping and dragging and I thought I'd broken it. (laughs) It turned out when I got to the junction that I realized I'd left the handbrake on. Don't drive with a handbrake on if you want to accelerate progress. Watch out for all those meetings, the time serving, the promotion based on loyalty rather than results, the doing things just because we've always done them. And in particular, watch out for people deliberately slowing down cross-functional projects for their own benefit. If you want to know what I mean by this, I wrote a tongue-in-cheek article about how people play games in organisations and it's called How to Slow Down Execution in Any Organisation for Personal Gain Without Personal Blame. The number of people who've read it, and by the way there's a quiz at the end so you can test how your organisation does, a number of people have said the same thing, they recognise their organisation and there's no way they're doing the quiz because it's just a little bit too frightening and close to the bone. So check that out, it's a great discussion point, and I think you'll find that you'll be able to speed things up just by exposing them to the light that this article will give you. Okay, so that's it, that's my nine suggestions. They're easy to do, and if you take one or two and do them straight away, I'm sure you'll see results and you'll want to do all the others. You've been listening to The Performance Podcast with me, Andrew Bass.